The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Newt. Due to the virus, I'm recording from home. So you may notice a difference in audio quality. On this episode of Newt's World... The democratic effort to remove President Trump from office was a calculated hit job, which started when Bob Mueller was hired to lead the special counsel investigation to the ultimate showdown with the Senate's impeachment trial. This dramatic attempted coup, which every American witnessed, is the subject of Byron York's new book, Obsession, Inside the Washington Establishment's Never-Ending War on Trump. I've known Byron for many years. He is a remarkable reporter and a great analyst. He's the chief political correspondent for the Washington Examiner and a Fox News contributor. He's covered the Bush, Obama, and Trump administrations, as well as Congress and every presidential campaign since 2000. He was previously the White House correspondent for National Review. I'm fascinated because I do have such great respect for you as an analyst and a very, very thoughtful student of politics and government. Why did you decide to write Obsession Inside the Washington Establishment's Never-Ending War on Trump? Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate those kind words. First of all, nobody had. There had been some excellent books on the Russia affair by Andy McCarthy and others, but they were a year or two ago. and. Nobody caught the whole span of time from the beginning of the Mueller investigation, the roots of the Mueller investigation, all the way through the impeachment. And I really wanted to treat it as one thing. And actually, Speaker Nancy Pelosi 
helped me frame this. Go back to December 2019, which is less than a year ago. Democrats in the House were rushing to impeach the president by Christmas. And a reporter asked Pelosi, what's the hurry here? Why the rush? And she said, there is no rush. This has been going on two and a half years since Mueller. And a lot of Republicans really took note and they thought, wow, she has finally spoken the truth out loud here. This impeachment we're talking about, it's not really about Ukraine. It's not really about a phone call. It is a continuation of a long effort to impeach the president and remove him from office that started with the roots of the Mueller investigation. As early as April 17th, 2016, before he's even elected, in fact, at that point, before he's even nominated, Politico published a piece and called, Could Trump be impeached shortly after he takes office? And on November 11th, the New York Times' David Brooks devoted an entire column to the possibility of removing Trump from office. Why do you think the left went so crazy? That is a good question. I think as far as the left is concerned, you have to remember when Barack Obama is elected president in 2008, there's a lot of celebration because they believe Democrats have kind of cracked the code of winning the presidency from now on. There's a new coalition of minorities, young people, and women that elected President Obama and re-elected him in 2012, and they believed would grow with the steady increase of the Hispanic population in the United States. And those two things, this new Obama coalition and demographic change, they believed would mean that Democrats would be elected president from now on. And as it turned out, Hillary Clinton was not able to reassemble the Obama coalition in the numbers that she needed to get elected. So this dream kind of had a rude ending with the election of Trump, and they were extraordinarily angry. And I tell a story that Republicans in the House don't really understand how angry their Democratic colleagues were. So January 6th, 2017, so Trump has been elected. He has not been sworn in yet. But the Congress meets to certify the results of the Electoral College. Now, this is a total done deal at this point. It's a ceremonial event. And each state stands and their electoral votes are certified. And Republicans are stunned when a number of Democrats try to stop the proceedings They protest the certification of electoral votes from several states on the basis that Russia got Trump elected. And it didn't work, obviously, but Republicans were really kind of amazed. They thought, wow, I mean, we knew you guys were unhappy that Hillary Clinton lost, but we didn't know you were this mad. And the next two years was a continuation of revelations like this to Republicans as they realized the intensity of feeling on the Democratic side. Since that was a period when there was a Republican majority in the House, can you imagine that same level of anger if Trump once again wins in the Electoral College and now you have a Democratic majority that doesn't want to seat people? I think one of the things I felt by the time I got to the end of the book which ends with the president's acquittal in the impeachment trial, I thought if he is reelected, the intensity of the feeling against him will only be higher, except Democrats will have used the constitutional and legal remedies they have to try to remove a president from office. They've already impeached him. 
And I suppose they could impeach him again. We have seen talk about Democrats trying not to recognize the electors if Trump indeed does win a victory. And I I think if he wins a victory, it'll have to involve victory in the Electoral College and may just involve victory in the Electoral College and not in the popular vote. So I really think we could be in uncharted territory if Trump does win re-election. So you record in your book this steady growing momentum. I think the early speeches for impeachment were not particularly strongly supported. And the first vote on impeachment really only got a very small minority of the House Democrats. I think they got 58 votes for impeachment in December of 2017. But the drumbeat just continues. Well, the view was that 58 was actually pretty big because what had happened is Representative Al Green, Democrat from Texas, was the most persistent and energetic proponent of impeachment of President Trump. And people don't remember this, but Robert Mueller was appointed on May 17th, 2017. Obviously, it dominated the news that day, so much so that people don't remember on that day, May 17th, came the first formal call on the floor of the House of Representatives to impeach the president. And Representative Al Green made that call. And basically, he just bugged the Republican leadership for the next several months. And Republicans believed that he would be able to force a vote at some point on his articles of impeachment, which, by the way, would have removed the president for disrespecting Kaepernick and the NFL. So this was not a Russia-based impeachment. The leadership, Speaker Paul Ryan and Steve Scalise, the whip, allowed this vote. And 58 Democrats voted to impeach the president in December of 2017. And Republicans thought it would be literally a handful. And it wasn't. And that number did grow. And throughout 2018, which was the midterm election year, the Democratic strategy was to not talk about impeachment publicly on the campaign trail, but to plan for it privately. And the support for impeachment grew throughout 2018, even though Democrats didn't talk a lot about it and the press didn't talk a lot about it. Their goal was to win the majority, but they then clearly had a sense that they were going to try to impeach. Why did Pelosi switch? Because she had spent a long period of time trying to avoid it. Right. Pelosi had always said that she, of course, was in the House, in the minority during the Clinton impeachment. And she believed that Republicans paid a terrible price for this. Now, I know who I'm talking to. You were involved in all this. But her argument to Democrats was that, look, it didn't work for Republicans in 1998-99, and it won't work for us. But that number of Democrats who wanted to impeach the president kept growing. And one of the things I discuss here is that there's a symbiotic relationship between the special counsel's office and the House of Representatives. The special counsel had all the powers of U.S. law enforcement, subpoena powers, evidence powers, all sorts of powers, authorities of U.S. law enforcement. But it could not indict the president, could not charge him with a crime, get him convicted and remove him from office. On the other hand, the House did not have those law enforcement powers, but it had the constitutional authority to impeach the president if a majority supported that. If you listen to 
Democrats throughout 2018, they have a three-word impeachment strategy, which is wait for Mueller. And they believed that Mueller would deliver them because they absolutely believed in collusion. They thought it was a real thing. They watched Rachel Maddow, who told them it was a real thing, and they watched CNN, told them it was a real thing, and they believed it. So their strategy was to wait for Mueller, win the majority, and at that point, Mueller would give them a roadmap and they would impeach Trump. But it doesn't work because Mueller doesn't give them a roadmap. What's interesting here is when Mueller is first appointed on May 17, 2017, he immediately begins to look for collusion. And he looks in all the places that you knew about if you read the newspapers at the time. He looked into the Carter Page case because Page had taken a trip to give a speech in Moscow in July 2016, looked into that. He looked into George Papadopoulos. He looked into that ridiculous episode at the Republican convention in 2016 in which Democrats claimed completely falsely that the Trump campaign had gutted the Republican platform position on Ukraine as a way to please Vladimir Putin. I mean, there's literally nothing to that. Then he looked into the Trump Tower meetings. He was looking for collusion in all the places that you would expect, and he wasn't finding it. And by December of 2017, there's a meeting on December 21st with the Trump defense team and Mueller. And the Trump people are saying, look, you've had six months, you've been looking for collusion, you haven't found it. And they never did. So for all of 2018, when we would have these discussions on cable TV about collusion as a real thing and Mueller is closing in and the walls are closing in on President Trump, for all of that time, impeachment was already kind of over inside the investigation and Mueller had turned his attention to allegations of obstruction of justice. And the painful fact that Mueller could not establish collusion or, in legal terms, conspiracy or coordination. The painful fact that he could not establish that didn't really hit Democrats until April of 2019 when the report is released and they can't avoid it any longer. There just wasn't any collusion. Hi, this is Newt. I want to invite you to sign up for a yearly subscription to my Inner Circle Membership Club. We're in a critical time in our history where the outcome of the next election will set us in a course of two very different American futures. As a member of my Inner Circle, you'll receive exclusive invitations to join my video conferences with 2020 election updates and my analysis of the upcoming presidential debates. Here's a special offer for my podcast listeners. Join my inner circle today at newtsinnercircle.com. And if you sign up for a one or two year membership, you'll receive a limited edition Inner Circle Challenge Coin, exclusive to 500 members only as part of your membership welcome package. And as an Inner Circle member, you'll receive an invitation to attend my members only event, Live with Newt, a discussion on the next presidential debate. And there are many other benefits of membership. Sign up for a one or two year membership today at newtsinnercircle.com. That's newtsinnercircle.com. High five, casino. High five. 
Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Mosley, and I want to let you know about my new immersive BBC Radio 4 podcast series, Deep Calm. It's all about how to tap into and activate a remarkable system that we all have, hardwired inside of us, our relaxation response. And it's been developed to be listened to at any time you want to really unwind. I hope you'll listen wherever you get your BBC podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back at the beginning of all this, Trump deciding not to fire James Comey during the transition really shaped his presidency in many ways. Do you think that if Trump had fired Comey during the transition, that things would have turned out differently? I think it's entirely possible. I mean, you could maybe argue that Trump's two biggest mistakes in his first year were not firing Comey in January of 2017 and then firing Comey in May of 2017. During the transition, a number of people who were close to Trump advised him to fire Comey right away. Rudy Giuliani told me that he said to Trump, look, this guy is going to turn on you. There's something wrong with him. Chris Christie said he is a loose cannon. And if you keep him after you become president, he will become your loose cannon. And a lot of their reasoning for this was the way that Comey had handled the Clinton email case. Now, they were in no way sympathetic to Hillary Clinton. They were not offended on her behalf. They didn't think, oh, you were so mean to Hillary. But they thought it revealed Comey as being so erratic and so headstrong and so self-righteous that he would be a problem if he stuck around. They didn't know that the FBI was actually investigating them at the time. That would have, I think, sealed the deal for them. But they knew that Comey would be a problem. So then the question is, why didn't Trump follow their advice. Obviously, he did not fire Comey when he became president. And the reason was really pretty simple is he thought he could bring him around. I mean, the president came to office with the habits and approaches 
that he had used in business for many decades. And he believed that through the sheer force of his personality, he could win people over. He could bring them around to his point of view. He could make Comey a loyal member of the team. So he didn't fire him. And I think we can all agree that that really, really did not work. That was compounded then when the brand new Attorney General Sessions, as part of becoming Attorney General, recuses himself so that the person who should have been defending Trump and monitoring Comey basically can't do anything. Sessions' decision to recuse himself earned Trump's hostility until the end of time, I think. Trump will basically say, you know, the 10 biggest mistakes I made, number one was hiring Jeff Sessions, and number two through 10 were hiring Jeff Sessions. I mean, he's really, really angry about that to this day. And you're right, Sessions was in a difficult spot because he was part of the campaign. There were a couple of completely BS allegations about his own contact with Russians. And he was interviewed by the special counsel's office, had no substantive role in any of this. But he was part of the investigation and the campaign was under investigation. And he certainly was part of that. And he didn't hire as a deputy someone that he had known a long time and felt comfortable with. And there was a kind of a mutual loyalty. He didn't hire somebody like that. He hired Rod Rosenstein, who had been a Justice Department official in Maryland. And it's Rosenstein who appoints Mueller, the special counsel, in May of 2017. And Trump is totally stunned. He's blindsided by what Rosenstein has done. So if Sessions had stayed in the job, Would that have been possible? I don't know. Democrats on the Hill can make an awful lot of noise. But if he had, it's possible this could have turned out differently. When you look at all this, you have Hillary deleting 31,000 emails. You have a member of her staff taking a hammer to destroy the hard drives. And somehow that's not obstruction. Meanwhile, you have this entire effort to frame the president. And the more we've learned about the Steele dossier, the more we learn about the way in which they were colluding all through the fall of 16 and the beginning of 17. This makes Watergate look like a minor kindergarten tour. These guys were literally using the power of the American system to try to destroy the president of the United States. The thing about the Mueller investigation is Mueller showed no real curiosity about how the investigation began and whether it began properly or not. Our revelations about the dossier came via Devin Nunes in the House Intelligence Committee when Republicans had the majority. We learned a lot later from the Justice Department Inspector General, Michael Horowitz, who told us a lot about how the Justice Department had abused the FISA laws to get a wiretap on Carter Page. So you're right about the obstruction stuff and Hillary Clinton and all of the destruction of potential evidence that she did. On the other hand, I think in the big picture, we had a situation in 2016 where both major candidates, the Republican and the Democrat, were under FBI investigation. And you can say, well, maybe they were both really squirrely candidates. But on the other hand, maybe the FBI was out of control investigating criminally, both major candidates. It was a bad situation, and we're only now learning most of the story about what was happening. 
this was a period where we really could have gone down a very dark road that might have shattered our entire process of elected self-government. As you learn more and more, weren't you just kind of amazed? Well, I was stunned continually by the sustained intensity of the drive to remove the president from office. And there is this moment in the book when Mueller finishes his report in March of 2019, and he tells the Justice Department, okay, I'm finished. And remember, Bill Barr releases a summary of the main conclusions. There's a lot of controversy about that, but it was entirely accurate. Then in April, out comes the report, and it fails to show collusion. And the whole issue of obstruction, it doesn't reach a conclusion on, although Mueller is clearly accusing Trump of obstruction, but doesn't reach a conclusion. And then a lot of air is out of the balloon at that point. Republicans think that, but Democrats are still holding out hope for impeaching Trump over Russia. And they decide that they need a Watergate moment on national television, have a hearing, have Mueller come in and deliver a searing indictment of the president. And then everything will be great. And all Americans will support removing Trump from office. They think that's what's going to happen. And then it's a disaster. And Republicans say, finally, this long Russia ordeal is over. And they don't know it at the time. But at that very moment, Adam Schiff and a few others are working on a new accusation against the president based on Ukraine, comes out of nowhere, a complete judgment call, and it ends up leading toward impeachment within the next few months. It's almost like a horror story where you think the threat is over and then you relax and then boom, it comes back at you. I was surprised by the sustained intensity of this effort. It's sort of the zombie impeachment. You shoot it, it gets back up. Having looked at all this, how do you rate Schiff's role in all of this? Well, it's usually important because, as I said earlier, the Democratic plan in 2018 was not to talk about impeachment in public and plan for it in private. Now, obviously, in an impeachment, an impeachment begins in the House of Representatives Judiciary Committee. And the judiciary chairman was Jerry Nadler, and the Intelligence Committee chairman was Adam Schiff. Now, the idea that an impeachment would originate and be handled by the Intelligence Committee was completely new, completely precedent-breaking. And the whole idea that the impeachment was a matter of intelligence was nuts. You have to remember the concept of filing a whistleblower complaint against the president of the United States is crazy. There's no inspector general for the White House. It doesn't work that way. There's a constitutional remedy if you want to get rid of the president, but there's no inspector general for the White House. And the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act makes clear that whistleblower complaints filed under that law have to deal with something under the authority of the Director of National Intelligence. Now, the President of the United States is not under the authority of the Director of National Intelligence. It's actually the other way around. So it made no sense legally to be able to do this. And the Justice Department told Democrats several times, but they did it because they could. And the driving force in that 
was Adam Schiff, and he completely got the upper hand with Jerry Nadler because House Democrats had some doubts about Nadler's effectiveness to begin with. And then a couple of things happened in the summer of 2019 after the Mueller testimony, when Republicans thought the Russia thing was dead, Democrats did not agree. Nadler still wanted to start an impeachment based on the Mueller report. He could not get witnesses to come to testify before his committee. He was reduced to calling John Dean to testify of Watergate fame and infamy, who comes in and says, you know, the last time I was in front of this committee was in 1974. And, you know, that was a long time ago. And the hearing accomplished nothing. Dean said the kind of stuff he was saying on MSNBC at the time. And then the real nail in the coffin for Nadler was not long after that, he had a hearing where he had Corey Lewandowski come testify. And Lewandowski just ran rings around him. He delayed. He asked for questions to be repeated. He questioned the questioners. He just really kind of made a fool of Nadler. And at that point, a lot of Democrats said to Speaker Pelosi, look, Jerry Nadler cannot handle this impeachment. And so that really helped solidify the authority of Adam Schiff as the guy who was going to run impeachment. Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. HighFiveCasino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. HighFiveCasino. Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As you well know, I've participated in an impeachment before. And I was really struck, and something I had learned from O'Neill, 
and that we tried to work on it. We didn't do as good a job as we should have because the Clinton people were really good, and in particular James Carville and Paul Begala were really good at keeping their people lined up. But we did get 31 Democrats to vote with us to authorize the impeachment inquiry. Of course, in the Nixon case, it was just unbelievable. I mean, it was 410 to 4. But the Democrats had to know, first of all, that they were never going to get it through the Senate. We actually had a chance to get, we thought, to get it through the Senate because the underlying evidence was so bad about Clinton's behavior. But the Democrats had to know they would never get Trump convicted in the Senate. And of course, so they're engaged in a totally partisan effort in a way which is, I think, undermines them. It was almost like they were lockstep and they couldn't get out of it. Does that make any sense? No, it absolutely does. You know, I went back and looked at the impeachment authorization vote that you held in 1998. You're correct. There were 31 Democrats who joined Republicans in this. And the New York Times (laughs) said that the House had begun an impeachment inquiry on a partisan vote. 31 Democrats, which is not nothing, had crossed over. In this case, I talked a lot to Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise, the Republicans in the House, who were a minority at the time, obviously, for the Trump impeachment. And they felt that when Schiff started handling things the way that he did, for example, when he began holding impeachment interviews, depositions in secret, and Republicans were not allowed to come. You'd have this long session interviewing some figure in the impeachment matter, and nobody was allowed to come out and say what the witness had just said. It all had to be done in secret, and Republicans were threatened with discipline, namely ethics committee investigations, if they did. And this created an enormous amount of resentment. And then we were just talking about the impeachment authorization vote that you held to begin the impeachment inquiry. Pelosi didn't hold one. All this was being done, and there had never been a vote of the full House to authorize an impeachment. Now, Democrats, if they stayed together, would win that vote, but Pelosi had not held one. And so she was just throwing out the rules and the precedent right and left. And this created enormous resentment among Republicans. And McCarthy and Scalise realized this. They realized that this could create unity among Republicans. Even if there were some Republicans who were a little squishy on Trump, they all felt that this was a fundamentally unfair process. And Scalise and McCarthy realized that the strongest way to make this point would be to have zero, that is zero Republicans vote when the authorization vote came, finally held by Pelosi, and then when the impeachment vote came, to have zero Republicans before this. You simply could not argue that it was a totally partisan impeachment if Republicans stayed away. And finally, the other thing they felt was if you had complete 100% unanimity among House Republicans, they felt that would kind of rub off on the Senate. The Senate would see Republicans sticking together and be inspired to do that themselves. And that mostly worked, except for Romney voted for one article, but then voted against the other. First of all, Romney became, there were two articles of impeachment, and every other Republican voted no on both articles of impeachment. 
and Romney voted no on one and yes on the other, which meant he voted to remove the president from office, to convict him and remove him from office. And it was the first time, I believe, in U.S. history where a senator has voted to remove a president of his own party from office. Well, it depends on whether or not you thought of Johnson as a Republican in 1867. Because remember, they come within one vote, I think, of removing him from office. That is true. It was kind of an oddity. It's not your everyday impeachment. As we move forward, assuming for a minute a Trump victory, do you think that the Democrats will just come right back as rapidly and try to figure out how to do it again? Yes, I do. I think the the idea that at some point they would just reconcile themselves to the fact that Trump is president, I think that those days have gone. I think they're not going to. As a matter of fact, I know you've discussed this, this group called the Transition Integrity Project, a group of right. Democrats and anti-Trump Republicans who had war-gamed a few scenarios for a disputed election. And one of the scenarios was that Trump wins the Electoral College. Clearly, no doubt about it. He wins the Electoral College, but he loses the popular vote, and which is what happened in 2016. And this time, they don't accept it. And there's the two sides in the war game. The Democrats are coming up with all sorts of crazy ideas. They want to essentially charge a ransom for approving Trump's victory. They want Trump and Republicans to make the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico states, and then maybe create five states out of California. They just, all sorts of crazy stuff. They go to states that Trump won with Democratic governors to change the electors, to get the electors to change from Trump to Biden. So this is a war game. This is not a real thing. It's not the Democratic Party saying they're going to do this but it's an indication of the intensity on the Democratic side right now. And if, in fact, Trump wins and is inaugurated for a second term, January 20th, 2021, I don't know what they're going to try, but certainly I would think they would try to impeach him again. Which makes a pretty good argument from Kevin McCarthy's standpoint of making sure there's a Republican majority in the House just to cut that off. But it's been wild. Listen, as always, you are a remarkable reporter. And your new book, Obsession, Inside the Washington Establishment's Never-Ending War on Trump. We have a little excerpt from it on our show page at newtsworld.com. And we recommend very highly to people that they can go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or anywhere they like to buy books and get a copy of it. And Byron York is one of the most thoughtful and one of the best sourced reporters in Washington. So, Byron, thank you very, very much for joining us and for being part of this. And thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Great to talk to your listener. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Pendley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. Please email me with your questions at gingrich360.com slash questions. I'll answer a selection of questions in future episodes. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. 
in the next episode of Newt's World. We are one month away from the most important election in American history, and I think it's so important that people understand the stark contrast between President Trump and Vice President Biden. In the second episode in this election 2020 series, I'll discuss building the greatest economy in Trump's America. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Mosley, and I want to let you know about my new immersive BBC Radio 4 podcast series, Deep Calm. It's all about how to tap into and activate a remarkable system that we all have hardwired inside of us, our relaxation response. And it's been developed to be listened to at any time you want to really unwind. I hope you'll listen wherever you get your BBC podcast. What's up, guys? This is Sean, Lights Out Merriment, and Saturday, June 15th, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 17 returns to Casino Palma in San Diego. Get your tickets now at LightsOutXF.com, and we'll be live on Lights Out Sports TV, available on all major platforms. Doors open at 5 p.m. Pacific. You don't want to miss this one. It's going to be Lights Out. Lights Out Sports is free sports TV by athletes for fans. For details about the event and tickets, go to LightsOutXF.com.